Hello, and welcome to the Chonda Living Podcast. My name is Charlie, and I'm joined here again with a repeat guest who's back for the second time, just about one year after the first time that he joined me. Andrew, welcome. Hey, pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you back. The first time we were together on this podcast, we were talking about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with our mutual friend, Jerry, who's the local black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And we talked about that martial art, which you are also very skilled in and you are my coach in as well. But we're here to talk about a little bit more than just Jiu-Jitsu today. We're talking about the subject of health and fitness in Chengdu, which is sort of a peculiar thing. I'm sure that anyone listening to this, no matter where you are, there are people who are interested in health and fitness where you are, but it's a bit of a unique challenge in China with all the environmental challenges we have and opportunities we have to be healthy here in Chengdu. And I would say that of all the people I know, you are close to the healthiest. You are a competitive athlete in many different dimensions. You're a competitive power lifter. You've become increasingly well-known for that in Chengdu. You're well-known for jiu-jitsu as well. You are a major flashpoint for interest in the martial art in Chengdu. And you are also an exceptionally fit guy. Anyone who's ever met you is will definitely uh, speak to that. So welcome to the podcast. I thought it'd be great to have a discussion with you about your approach to health and fitness, what you do to keep yourself healthy, how you view it, and how your opinion on this subject has changed in your time in China. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. And that was one hell of an introduction. I appreciate that. Um, you know, the fitness community has been, it's really changed a lot in my time here in Chengdu over the course of the last like six years or so. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you came to Chengdu. I think you described this briefly in our podcast in on jujitsu, but for those who didn't listen to that episode, how did you come to Chengdu and how long you've been here and how'd you arrive in this place? Um, I actually came to Chengdu as a result of the Chengdu Living website. I saw, I just felt like the foreigners discussing China life on the Chengdu forum, it was all a much more like positive light being shared on the forum compared to a lot of other like, I was looking to come to China basically to do like a bridge year, like a gap year teaching English for a year and just kind of discovering myself like a lot of people do. I settled on Chengdu because of the attitudes of the people of like the expats that I heard and saw like living here, basically a lot of other Ching, a lot of other Chinese forums, like were just like a bunch of expats complaining about China life. Yeah. But it felt like in Chengdu, like people had things going on, starting new projects and there was a BJJ club that drew me here. Like Jerry just started Chengdu BJJ and uh, I wanted to be a part of that as well. And I've since become a pretty big part of it. So I'm really happy with my choice. Chengdu is an amazing city. It really is. It really is an amazing city. And I think one of the reasons why it's amazing is because it's filled with people like yourself who come here and are inspired by the adventure and the excitement of China. And they find themselves in this massive mega city and they don't just want to, you know, take what it has to offer, but they want to bring new things and make them available and create new opportunities for other people. And it's that sort of dynamism of people coming from all sorts of interesting places and bringing their knowledge and experience here and sharing that with other people that makes it really great. And I will explain for other people, but you can get into some more detail, but you have sort of championed Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in our gym at Be Active, which I think we agree is one of the best gyms in Chengdu. And now you have uh, a group of people who are training with you, learning from you, and you're in a great position to share your knowledge and skills. Definitely. It's really cool. Um, I've seen the BJJ program grow at Be Active over the course of the last year. 
we have a group of like regular members. It's kind of like we're in association with Chain Du BJ, like the the biggest BJ club we've talked about. We've talked with Jerry on the podcast here before, the black belt uh, instructor. He's my head coach, kind of under his like guidance and everything I'm teaching here at Be Active. And it's been a really positive thing seeing people like more people get into the sport. So, yeah. So how did this start? I mean, you came to Chengdu, you met Jerry, you got to training jujitsu with him. Were you into powerlifting at the time? There's so many subjects to get onto, but how did you sort of get initiated into physical fitness uh, as a pursuit in Chengdu? Um, well, I had done BJ for a long time in Canada, back home in Canada. I trained for like seven or eight years and I was competing pretty regularly for five solid years of that and um, competing at a pretty high level. And I started doing more like strength and conditioning training. That kind of introduced me to powerlifting and stuff. Um, and then I just like followed that through when I came to China. I just kept up with my interests and hobbies. I came here at a time when um, BJ was just growing and it's continuing to grow. And I was able to just kind of like ride that wave and contribute to it a little bit. Jerry gave me my purple belt uh, a couple of years ago. And then after I got that, I felt like that bolstered my teaching credentials. I'd been teaching in Chengdu, uh, teaching BJ for a number of years already. But uh, it's been really cool watching it grow and more. And like, at Be Active right now, we have a really solid thing going on. Yeah, that's fantastic. How does it compare to Chengdu BJJ? So you, you train at multiple facilities now. I mean, you're training how many days a week now in Jiu-Jitsu? Um, in Jiu-Jitsu right now, because I'm focusing on powerlifting a little bit more, I'm just like focusing on, on teaching for BJJ. So I'm just teaching twice a week at Be Active and once a week at this other gym called Up, which is an MMA gym in Chengdu. So three times a week, you're training Jiu-Jitsu and this has been going on for years now, right? Yeah, before, I mean, there are periods of time where I was focusing on like more on jiu-jitsu because I've competed in jiu-jitsu also in, uh, in China and around Asia. Um, so I'd say just for now, I'm focusing a bit more on lifting, but there were times before when I was focusing on BJJ where I was training BJJ almost every day. Yeah, wow. So we have gotten into jiu-jitsu at pretty good depth on our previous podcast. So I think there's no need to get really into that subject on this podcast. For those who are interested in that subject, I recommend you check out our podcast from about one year ago, which includes Andrew and Jerry. And that's a, a really good one and an interesting topic. So tell me a little bit about powerlifting. Were you into that in Canada or did you get into that in China or uh, what was your introduction to that? Uh, like I said, my intro to powerlifting was through strength and conditioning training that I did for BJJ. And then, um, when I started lifting weights, I just found that like I picked it up pretty quick and I was getting like pretty strong in like the main compound lifts that you do to get stronger squats, bench press, deadlift. And when I realized I was like at a certain level, um, I was like, I could take this like I could compete in this. I got interested in that sport, just finding out like better training methods, getting more interested in strength training introduced me to powerlifting. And then I just felt it's, it's been really cool because um, I feel like. That's something that was really undeveloped in Chengdu when I first got here. And now we're watching that grow too. And that's a really exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah. So how do you compare the two? I mean, you were interested in lifting in Canada and then you arrive in China. Was it easy to find a community for this? Are facilities difficult to find? What has what your journey been like? When I first got here, and I think you know this as well, in like 2013, um, there were very few places to train properly. There was like if you wanted to lift seriously in Chengdu, there was like MegaFit and like QSL. There were like two decent gyms, it seemed like in the whole city. And now there are like commercial gyms in like every neighborhood and a handful of really good training facilities if you want to lift like seriously. What do you attribute that change to? I mean, in just five years time, there's been basic transformation in terms of the facilities available to people who are living in Chengdu. Is it that Chinese people are really fanatical about 
weightlifting and strength training and conditioning now, or what has changed? Um, it's been kind of like, I'm surprised that it took so long to catch on, but you know, it, it feels like in the last few years, especially fitness culture has really started to grow and change. You can really feel that. Just look at the number of gyms that there are now compared to before. Um, like I said, only a couple places to train when I first got here. Now there's gyms like seemingly on every corner. So it just feels like fitness is growing in the popular culture. Like more people are aware of fitness culture now. You know, I first started going to the gym with one of our mutual friends, Brendan, who's a, yeah. you know, also com was a competitive a weightlifter. Chengdu legend. Yeah, Chengdu legend, uh, British guy. <clears throat> and um, we went to MegaFit Gym. And I remember that, you know, he is a really veteran weightlifter and I'm not. And so I had a lot to gain and learn from him. And I did. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. But I remember at that time, we basically every time we went to the gym would observe just so many bizarre scenes, you know, like yeah. elderly women on, on uh, treadmills with high heels and people who didn't know how to use equipment who were, you know, acting pretty dangerously. And these kind of sites were really common. And there was kind of a feeling like, you know, most people in the gym were just sort of lost and didn't really know what to do. And they were kind of just, you know, clueless. It just seemed that the culture of strength training was completely foreign to them. And it was a bizarre thing to see because the facility was pretty nice. You know, so you're in a nice facility, but it's, it's clear that the culture is just not really there. And now when I go to be active or when we go to be active, I see basically none of that. Uh, basically, everyone in the gym is very fit pretty much. I mean, with some exceptions, but very few exceptions. And um, it's really my impression of what the average gym goer in China is like has really transformed in that five-year period. Definitely. It's something you used to see a lot. I don't see it as much anymore, but you'd see a guy in like a suit on an elliptical machine or on a treadmill or just like in a dress shirt or something like he just came from work or is on his lunch break or something. You'd have people like hawking up gobs of spit into like trash bins, like in the gym or people smoking in the gym. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and now be active, such an amazing facility. I mean, they have air purifiers inside there. They have like a lounge space. They serve coffee. I mean, they've got so many amenities in that place. It's, it's not quite at like American gym level of comfort, which in my opinion is like excessive. I was in the States a couple months ago and I went to the local gym with my father, which was a very luxurious place with like leather couches and like fireplaces and like every magazine subscription. And people are just kind of chilling there, you know, for hours and hours. And it just, it felt so relaxing. It was just a little bit disarming and strange to me because I normally think of a gym as like a place where you go to exert and, and to work. But Anyway, Be Active is just really a tremendous facility and it's it's great to have that available. Yeah, to me, I think it's like, it's probably the best commercial gym that you can train at in Chengdu right now. Just for like the general, sort of general purpose fitness enthusiast, I think there's no better place. The quality of equipment's great. The atmosphere is great. Talking about the Hong Kong Lu location, the Poly Center location is a little bit different. And I heard they have a third location, which is opening, right? Yeah, they're just opening up one by Raffle City. So that's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah. So aside from the jujitsu uh, event which you host and you've hosted there for over a year there are other events at be active i think some of those are pretty popular as well like yoga and like some other some other you know events which they have there on a regular basis on a weekly basis it really does feel like the fitness community is growing here in Chengdu. it's great and we just hosted at be active we just hosted the biggest powerlifting competition in Chengdu ever yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. So you were the co 
organizer of this event. Is that correct? I'm going to go ahead and say I was like the organizer. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I that's it, fair. I did it in association with uh, Be Active and I did it with my buddy Jack. He and I, we, we started our own powerlifting federation in Chengdu called the Chengdu Powerlifting Union, and we're doing that up right now. And Be Active was kind enough to cooperate with us and let us host uh, host our first competition ever. That's fantastic. So tell me all about this. I'm curious about so many aspects of this. So you've been training with Jack, who is an American uh, weightlifter for a while now. You guys are buddies. And you just decided to begin a, an organization for powerlifting. Describe what that process was like. We did. Cause I just feel like in Chengdu, there's such an environment for like DIY stuff. You can just like start your own thing if it isn't there already. You know what I mean? Like powerlifting really didn't exist very much in Chengdu. There's like one powerlifting gym in Chengdu in a city of like 14 million people. So we think there's a lot of room for it to grow. There are like zero. There are like very few, let me put it that way. Very few powerlifting events in Chengdu. And we want to compete more ourselves. We're both competitors. So we're like, let's just host one ourselves. Great idea. For those who are unfamiliar, how would you describe powerlifting to someone who has no clue? Uh, Powerlifting is like three main movements, the squat, bench press, and deadlift. And it's basically a competition to see how much weight you can lift in each one of those lifts. And then the athlete in a particular weight class that has like the highest aggregate total between those three lifts is like the winner. What is it about those three lifts that makes them so unique and valuable? Um... It's like one, one thing I appreciate about powerlifting strength training is like objectivity. Um, if you ask like, how strong are you? There's a way to measure that. How much can you squat? How much can you bench press? How much can you deadlift? And these are traditionally like very good ways of measuring someone's strength. Whereas when you say like for jujitsu, for example, how good are you in jujitsu? Oh, I'm a purple belt. What does that mean? There's like a tremendous amount of variation. There could be like purple belts who are just like hobbyists. Some fat guy who hasn't trained in five years who's a purple belt, he's a purple belt. Or there's like a world champion purple belt who's a killer. And there's a huge like gradient there. But if you ask like how strong are you, how much can you squat, that's a number. That's like a statistic. That's where you're at. And I appreciate that about powerlifting very much. Yeah, that's fantastic. So have you competed in powerlifting in China prior to hosting this event in Chengdu? Yeah. Um, I competed in world powerlifting. Um, at, they have this like big um, fitness expo that they do every year in Shanghai called the FIBO fitness expo and as a part of that they had the world powerlifting um china open and i was actually lucky enough i mean not lucky i worked my ass off but i won i won the gold medal in the 94 kilo uh, men's division so that's great congratulations thanks man it was great it was awesome and uh so i mean what was your feeling like competing there i mean is it mostly expats is it chinese people what's the scene no i was the only i think in my weight class i was the only non-chinese competitor Shoot 94 kilos. That's, yeah. that's really big. Uh, yeah. It was like in pounds is like 208 pounds. Yeah. That's, yeah. So there's like 94 then there'd be like 105, I think. And then 120. Wow. Okay. There's some big guys. I mean, power, powerlifting is all about how much like weight you can move. So generally the bigger you are, the more weight you can move. So powerlifting is a sport with some big guys in it. So it's predominantly Chinese people who were competing in that, that one. Yeah. And it was great to see too. World powerlifting is like a big international powerlifting organization. It was like split off from the IPF, which is the biggest uh, powerlifting comp- um, federation in the world, the International Powerlifting Federation. They like split off. There's like some feud in their organization and this guy started his own to rival it called World Powerlifting. And this was their first international event. So it was really cool to be a part of. Oh, wow. Yeah. How long ago was that? That was August of last year. And, uh, ah, I don't mean to brag so much, but I mean, because I won the China open, I get to compete hopefully, uh, in, in worlds in my hometown. 
Oh, that's super the, yeah, exciting. Yeah. That's super exciting. Yeah, it's unreal. It was just like the timing of it. Everything was just perfect, you know? That's really cool. So yeah. how did that experience feed into the Chengdu event? What was the approach? You knew that you wanted to host a powerlifting competition here in Chengdu. Yeah. What were the things that were important to you to implement in the event to make it legitimate, to make it fun? How did designing the event and constructing it and executing it go? That whole thing last year just like fired me up because when I was training and everything like that, getting interested in powerlifting, I was like, okay, I guess I could be pretty good at this. And then in my first competition, I won like a major international competition. So I was like, oh, I could take this somewhere. Like, let's do this. I met Jack. He's a serious competitor as well. Jack is actually, shout out to Jack Harrington, my homie. He's a, a record holder in Ohio State. He really? Actually, yeah, he'll, he holds some United, USPA, United States Powerlifting Association uh, records in Ohio State. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, in his weight class. So that's pretty dope. And no, we, we came together. We're like, there's like no powerlifting in Chengdu. Like, let's do this. We want to start our own gym. Yeah. We, we were like looking at starting our own little training studio. And we're like, let's put on events. Like, let's make sure it's like, let's start our own federation. Let's do it. Right. You can do that shit in Chengdu. Let's do it. You can, exactly. That's yeah. really just like one of the wonderful things about living in China and living in Chengdu is that so many things are possible. You want to do something cool, just start it. You yeah. know, it's not not difficult to find cooperative people. You can find venues. I mean, Be Active is a great example. I'm sure with the powerlifting, I don't know how it went, but I'm going to guess you were like, hey, I want to do a powerlifting competition. They're like, great, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was pretty much it. I mean, I'm fortunate enough. I've been training at, at Be Active since it pretty much opened, and I have a really good relationship with everybody that works there. And Blanca, the manager, you know, she does our BJ class and everything. We're like, we're homies. So yeah, they're, she was they're all just wonderful people. Super man. supportive of the idea from the get go. And it turned out great. Right. You came to our competition, right? You were there for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I came to the competition. I yeah. came to check it out. It was way more well attended than I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, I just came to spectate, you mm -hmm. know, um, and a couple people were like, hey, are you competing today? It's like, nope, <laughs> I just came to watch. And they're like, oh, that's cool. But I saw a lot of other people that did the same thing I did. Yeah. So a lot of people yeah. just came to check it out. And that was my first time ever seeing anything like that. I've never been to a powerlifting competition before. It was dope. I think that, you know, it was a good event to get people like introduced to the sport of powerlifting. Like most people that competed had never actually competed before. Although we did have some experienced competitors do it up too. But it, it created a, bu a bunch of buzz. There was like Chengdu TV came down and filmed it. Um, people were like live streaming it. I think there were over a hundred people at the event itself. It was the biggest powerlifting event ever held in Chengdu to date, which is awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, we had more girls compete. There were more girls competing in our little competition than there were in the China Open that I competed at. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, this event and Be Active Gym has such a such a warm, welcoming community feel around it. You know, I, I feel like that is an event which I would be happy to just go and hang out at and just observe. And I, I feel like there's no other gym in Chengdu that I would want to go to like hang out at. No, I couldn't see it either. Be Active is awesome. Yeah, they got something really unique going on. Definitely. So anyone listening to this, come and work out at Be Active. Come take our BJJ class. Come see what it's all about. It's a great gym. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about what you do to prepare for this. I mean, you're obviously in fantastic health. You're living here in Chengdu. I am really curious about what your training regimen is like, You know what your diet looks like, what your sleep looks like. But let's begin with, you know, for a powerlifting competition, what do you do to prepare for something like that? Um, you got to take a look at how long you have to prepare for the competition. Usually I'd say you need at least two months, two months or the minimum amount of time you want to prepare for it is like six weeks. So you can structure your training to just kind of like slowly build up in intensity. Cause you want to peak for the meet. You can't be your strongest like version of yourself all year round. It's something that you just kind of have to like build up gradually to and hope you can stay healthy enough to, 
to compete. That's that's been my issue this year, dealing with a, a bunch of minor injuries. But training is no problem for me. I love to train. I love it. There's something about getting under, like when you have like 500 pounds on your back, like a barbell, it's just, it feels like it's like do or die. It feels like it's tapping into some sort of like primordial sure. sense within yourself. You feel like primal. It's like, you know, yeah. I don't get that from going in and doing sets of 12 on bicep curls or something like that. Just right. doing some bodybuilding style training. I'm into like the, the grind, you know what I mean? I love sure. that. I love that stuff. So training, getting motivated to train is no problem for me. So is there like a very detailed plan for you when you're going into a competition, like you're trying to increase your weight by X amount over Y period of time? Is it that kind of structured analysis or what's the approach? The greatest thing, like right now, if you're getting into powerlifting, just there are so many resources online. You can just like go on YouTube, on Instagram and just like emulate high level competitors. A lot of these people are offering like free training programs to get their own like brand out there. So there's never been a better time to get into strength training because there's so much information online. So what are some of the best ones? Are there any YouTube creators or websites? Are there any blogs, anything like that? Totally. Johnny Candido, look up Candido training systems, Calgary barbell, where I'm from, there's a, a famous, a big powerlifting gym in Calgary. They have some amazing content. Their YouTube channel for anyone listening who's interested in strength training, getting stronger on squat, bench, deadlift, go check out Calgary barbell on YouTube. They have some incredible stuff. Jack is using their program to, to peak for the, uh, the meet that he and I have coming up in LA next month. So yeah, that's exciting as well. So you guys are heading to Los Angeles. So what do you do? You're competing in the United States, presumably the first time you've done this. Is that right? Yeah, this would be my first time competing in the States. I've actually only ever competed in powerlifting in China, um, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, he and I are going to LA to compete in a big competition next month called the, uh, it's, it's under the USPA. So that's the federation, the United States Powerlifting Association. And it's the Barbell Brigade Open, which always attracts a bunch of beasts every year. Ooh, I like that name. Yeah. <laughs> Something about brigade <laughs> yeah. just gives a little bit of edge. It's a big gym. It's a big powerlifting gym in LA, Barbell Brigade, and they do a big competition every year. And we're going to go and do that up. So do you have a special regiment that you're enacting right now in preparation for that? Stay healthy. That's the whole thing. I'm, I'm strong as fuck right now because I've been, I've been training hard for, I feel like I've been doing back to back meat preps because I've been competing regularly since last summer. Um, so my strength levels are there. I just got to take care of these little minor injuries that I have right now. And as long as I can go into the competition healthy, I'm going to put up some big numbers. Wow. That's pretty exciting. So staying healthy, what does that include? When when you say staying healthy, what what comes to mind for you? Well, when you're um when you're lifting like heavy weight for over the course of a long period of time, you're gonna accumulate some mind. Everyone, everyone who competes in sports, like every athlete, is gonna deal with minor injuries or even significant injuries. It's an unfortunate part of sport. But uh, yeah, mobility work is one thing. Rehab, that's the shit that I hate, man. Like I love going in there and doing my squats. I love all the heavy training. I don't like all the stretching I have to do. I don't like all the banded resistance work I have to do. Stuff like old man physio shit. You go to like a physiotherapist, you got a bad shoulder and you got to do these like rotational exercises. Yeah. That's boring shit. But you have to do that if you're going to stay healthy. Like I'm already, I'm not old. I'm only 31, but you got to stay on top of that. or Otherwise you're just going to get destroyed. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Is there any kind of uh, program which you have incorporated in order to keep up with that or like any kind of routine which you use for mobility? Yeah, definitely. And again, just all all stuff that I've found out online on YouTube, on Reddit, Instagram, just following athletes whom I admire and respect who've gone through similar things, similar issues, had similar training issues and injuries and just following their protocol. 
And I've also learned a lot about like human physiology and anatomy and all this kind of stuff. It's really interesting. Have you noticed a big change in your lifestyle since you've gotten really into this sort of physical weightlifting jujitsu life? I mean, presumably I've seen pictures of you from like 20 years ago and you're like unrecognizable. You look like a completely different person. Dude, that was like six years ago. Six years ago? Are you serious? Okay. Well, you look like a, a totally different person. I mean, literally unrecognizable before you came to China, I guess, right? Yeah. That was about right when I was coming, getting ready to come to China. I was like probably about 50 pounds lighter than I am now. 50 pounds lighter. Okay. So what has the change in your life been in that 50 pounds? Um, in, in, let me see. I mean, I just like in, in jujitsu, I was competing at 155 pounds or about 70 kilos. Um, and then even lower than that, 66 kilos, 145 pounds. And I just kind of got sick of being known as like the small guy in the gym. Oh, this guy's really good. He's technical for his weight for a little guy. And then when I started like lifting weights and getting bigger and stronger, I just kind of got addicted to that feeling and I just wanted to like push it. And, you know, with powerlifting, with getting stronger, getting bigger really helps. So over the course of three years, I put on like probably... Yeah, 40, 40 to 50 pounds. Could you imagine going back down to that weight now? Never. <laughs> oh, God, no. No way. I mean, I'm like 5'10", like 178 centimeters before I was like 155 pounds, 70 kilos. Now I'm like 95. I feel comfortable. I feel small at 95 kilos, man. I'm like six inches taller than you, and I think I weigh less than you do. <laughs> I want to <I> <laughs> get bigger, man. Like, <laughs> I even want to get bigger and stronger, man. I want to, okay, the, like in LA, I'm competing at 100 kilos, 220 pounds. And, uh, right now I'm sitting at like 95. So I'd like to fill out the hundred kilo weight class. That'd be good. Put another like five kilos on 10 pounds. Is that part of your goal to get up to that weight by the time you get there? Uh, that's been the goal. I've been trying to like put on weight for the last like five, six months, but it's so damn hard. I have to eat like 4,000 calories a day, which is retarded. Even if you're eating like, even if you're eating dirty, that's a lot of food. This leads perfectly into my next question, which what does your diet look like? And uh -oh. how, how has this changed? I mean, in the process of gaining 50 pounds, you're obviously eating a lot more than you used to. Also, you are burning so many more calories now, lifting all these weights, training jujitsu all the time. I mean, you're so physically active. The amount of food that you eat must be way more than before. So it must have really necessitated some pretty substantial dietary changes. That Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like I love to train and I really don't like the diet component of it because that's a huge challenge for me. Having to eat, I eat like, I try to eat like every two hours. I try to eat constantly throughout the day and it's like never, it's like never enough. Can you describe what your approach to diet is like? Like what is an average day of dieting like? Um, I try to do some basic meal prep, which basically means just like fl like frying up a ton of ground beef and making some rice. And I just have like ground beef and rice, which I try to eat like four or five times a day. And then I just try to squeeze in other meals and snacks and drink milk and yogurt and all that stuff on top of it. So milk, yogurt, rice, beef. Any, are there any other special ingredients which you get here in China? You know, I feel like there are a lot of popular meal prep sort of foods which you can get in Canada or in the United States which are difficult to get here or are prohibitively expensive. But there are also some things here which are really cheap and really good. Totally. So, uh, for example, right beneath uh, where we are right now is a wet market. And they have pumpkin there. They have uh, sweet potato they have chicken breast, which is super cheap. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff you can get there for very low cost. Sure. Are you cooking any kind of stuff like that or do you 
just generally stick to sort of the same sort of meals over and over. That's all too low calorie for me. I got to, I got to eat higher calorie stuff. I don't eat chicken cause it's too lean. Try to eat beef because it's like a little higher fat content and like the same amount of protein, but just like more calories. Basically what I try to do is hit X amount of protein a day, like at least 200 grams of protein a day and then at least 4,000 calories a day if I can. So 200 grams of protein and okay. 4,000 calories. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> where yeah. do you get that? Where do you get uh, ground beef from? Is that easy to get? Um, on like Taobao or there's this like a uh, app or rather this like WeChat account I follow called Y food where I just get like bulk ground beef shipped to our apartment. Oh sure. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty dope. But I mean, any- like sometimes if I'm, if I'm like short on my calories at the end of the day, like I'll just like eat a bunch of candy. <laughs> So really, you called me like a super healthy guy before, but yeah, you know, I do notice that you, you don't seem to be super strict about only eating, you know, certain things. I mean, we've, we've had dinner together and lunch together a bunch of times and it seems like you're pretty open to eating whatever you want, you know, drinking beer when you want. It seems like your lifestyle in terms of like what you eat and what you drink is pretty, pretty good and pretty casual. That's great. So like take up powerlifting guys because you can eat like a pig and still make pretty good progress. It's surprising because, you know, when you look at you, you don't, you, you look like you have very low body fat. Uh, you have like, you know, a lot of muscular development. You're obviously super strong. It, it seems like in order to maintain that physique and that level of physical performance that you would have to be really strict about what you eat. But I guess you are proof that it's not that that is not the case. <laughs> well, that's not going to go across the board for everybody. Maybe I got some good genetics or maybe my supplementation is all in order or something like that. Something what, like what, that is the, what is the supplementation? <laughs> is like whey protein, creatine, other things like that, uh, daily supplements? Yeah, we got the protein going on. Creatine, I don't know if that does anything. Uh, BCAAs, I take that too. I take like zinc, some vitamins, all that kind of stuff. I, I get eight hours of sleep every night and I train my ass off. Maybe that's the thing. I train like... I train like really hard and I don't skimp on that at all. So that'll get you a long way. Are there any supplements which you think are important for average people to be taking just to maintain general health and fitness? Um, I would take like, uh, if you don't eat enough fish, fish oil is a good one. Uh, if you're not, I've been, if you're not an athlete, I don't think like your protein intake is like super important. I'm not really an expert on that, to be honest. Interesting. Okay. Well, that makes sense. A lot of supplements are difficult to get here in any case. A lot of this kind of stuff you have to import. And way more expensive. Good God. Oh yeah. Whey protein is one of those. Oh yeah. I pay like 500 RMB or something like that for a tub of protein, which is gone in less than a month. Right. That's like nearly, nearly a hundred dollars for a thing of protein. Why is that so expensive here? Finish it in like two weeks. And you ever seen like, man, I've seen some scary videos too, where they have like fake protein where they're just like scooping like bulk, like milk powder. I have not seen that. Oh yeah. Really? That doesn't surprise me though. Like they mix them up. Yeah. So I buy like my protein from my protein, which is actually a a sponsor of our, 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 um, excuse me, our be active powerlifting competition, my protein UK. So I buy a protein directly from them because I know it's legit. That's cool. I remember that Brendan used to be very particular about what type of protein to get, not just where you get it from, but different types of whey protein. Brendan would be the man to ask about that. He's a legend. Brendan is the first guy I ever saw in Chengdu deadlift over 500 pounds. He was a huge inspiration. Chengdu, Brendan is like a strength training OG in Chengdu. Shout out to Brendan Ford. He's the man. Right, for sure. How do you feel about uh, air pollution and environmental toxins? Is this something that you are like a, a danger that you're mitigating against or something that you think about much? Well, I don't do a lot of cardio being a power lifter, true to my trade. So it doesn't bother me a whole lot. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I feel 
don't you feel like the air has gotten a little bit better in Chengdu over the course of the last few years? I feel like it hasn't been. We haven't had like too many apocalyptic days like we used to. Yeah, that's true. I think that it has improved in general, although in the winter it's bad. You know, yeah. in the winter it's not yeah. good. But um, I also don't notice a lot of side effects. You know, I have spoken to some people who say they fe- they get like headaches or, you know, they can they can, you know, feel that the pollution is high. And I don't have that those kind of symptoms at all, really. Do they feel the same way when they're hanging out in bars and stuff? Because, like, I mean, it's so funny to hear people talk about or complain about pollution and they, like, smoke. That is pretty funny. Yeah, that is ironic for sure. You also, know? if you take, like, I have an air quality uh, device, which is right behind us here. And you can see, like, what the PM2.5 is in the room. And I have a goal number, which I always try to keep it below. And I have uh-huh. air filters in my apartment. And so I do those types of things. But the, the air filter, sorry, the... Uh, particulate measuring device is battery powered so you can unplug it and you can take it outside you can take it in the train station you, you can take it to it a bar a, right? yeah take yeah. it to a bar it was like a thousand well yeah like 10, exactly 000. it goes up to the the aqi is like over two thousand it's so over I mean, two thousand yeah so well it's like <laughs> if you're trying to keep in here i try to keep the pm 2.5 below 10 uh micrometers which is low that's low yeah that's low that's like the who standard so that's like as low, you know, as you would expect anywhere around the world, let alone in China. And if you go to a bar, it's like, you know, 300, like 500. It's just like dozens of times. But I mean, with regard to its effect on my training, I've never experienced one, to be honest. That's good. Yeah. How about sleep? Have you noticed any kind of uh, certain sleep routines which are important in order to maintain peak uh, health and fitness performance? Just try to get as much sleep as possible. I try to get seven, eight hours a night if possible. It'd be good. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I noticed that this is one that like really messes with people. I've, you know, my girlfriend is one of those who she has a a great exercise routine. She exercises almost every day, eats great food and then sleeps like five hours a night. And like just doing that one thing wrong can just really throw a wrench into everything. Mm, I don't know. There was a period of time where I was going, like I've had sleep issues my whole life actually. And there's a period of time where I was having some really rough insomnia, but I don't let that stop me from training. I'll just get up and I'll like take caffeine pills and go to the gym anyway, even if I'm tired because I love to train and I got to get it done. And it feels so good to sleep after you've been training too. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing too. So many people have issues with sleeping well. You know, they, they can't sleep. They can't sleep deeply. Yeah. They can't fall asleep. You know, they're like tossing and turning in bed. Uh, exercising, physical exercise is so important in order to regulate a good sleep cycle. Yeah, I think Tim Kennedy, a former MMA fighter, he said it best. He's like, you have trouble sleeping? Go out and physically exhaust yourself to the point where you're just done. And when you like go to bed that night, you're going to fall asleep before your head hits the pillow. You know, if you're just completely physically exhausted, it's going to make it a lot easier to sleep at night. Yeah, for sure. That's an easy way to make sure you get to sleep at a good time and make sure you get some sleep is exercise before sleep. Yeah, which is why I think evening for me is is a great time to train. Like your jujitsu class said, be active is usually seven to eight 30 or so. And after that you can get like a late snack and then pretty much ready for sleep. Like I feel yeah. tired at that point. And that's, that's a really satisfying uh, way to go to sleep. Yeah. For me, like jujitsu, I'm cool. Anytime weights, especially like heavy training, I like to do earlier in the day. I feel like I'm less motivated to go and lift like heavy weights after like a, a day of work or something like that. Yeah. You know, I like to attack it like in the morning, like first thing. So you mentioned Calgary Barbell, which is a YouTube channel that you recommend people check out for strength 
uh, and conditioning. Are there any other books, websites, uh, documentaries, anything like that, which you can recommend for people who are seeking either weightlifting advice or, or, or just general health and fitness tips? Um, I think that's, I think that's kind of hard to say. If you, if you just have like a general interest in fitness and stuff, just like if you're just like aware on social media and something like catches your eye, just like, just like follow that. There's just like so much information available out there on the internet for you. It depends on like what you're interested in, but it's, you know, it's all out there, man. Yeah, it really is. That's so true. You know, I do feel though it, it can be difficult to figure out which direction to go in because it feels like there's so many different personal trainers who have their own ideology, their own ethos. It can be difficult to figure out who to follow, who to trust, which program to sign on with. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit out there. But one thing I want to say, I think that is responsible for the increase in popularity recently in like strength training and powerlifting and all this kind of stuff is social media. Honestly, I think if someone like Johnny Candido or, or someone behind Open Powerlifting, which is a big powerlifting organization, saying that like um, from the years like 2015 to like 2017 the amount of like active competitors in powerlifting actually like doubled in the space of two years wow whereas like powerlifting has a history in the united states of like decades you know but it doubled in like two years and i think it's because you see a lot of like social media personalities like you're just exposed to more of it online now on like instagram before like you'd never see a guy deadlifting like 600 pounds unless you're like hanging out in like these dungeon gyms you'd never never get exposed to that but now it's like a thing. You see like Larry Wheels on Instagram, like deadlifting like 800 pounds and it's like shocking. It gets lots of views and lots of likes and gets people like interested in it, you know? Yeah, I saw Larry Wheels also. Yeah, they, that's crazy because like <laughs> I still feel like powerlifting is such a niche sport, but it's it's getting there, man. If someone, if you've heard of like Larry Wheels, it yes. just shows you it's growing. Yeah, yeah. You know? Actually, I mean, I think that you're the first kind of competitive powerlifter that I've known. Although Brendan has obviously lifted a lot of weights and he was yeah. into bodybuilding, I he think. He never competed in powerlifting, though. Right. I think bodybuilding was like mostly his thing. Yeah, he was like a bodybuilding coach. And the two are related. A lot of powerlifters have competed in bodybuilding and vice versa. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, though. It's interesting to see this scene blossom in Chengdu, you know, one which, I, as I understand it, is predominantly in the West. <laughs> Asia is not famous for uh, powerlifting. Let's do it. And But that's so weird because China has an amazing weightlifting team, Olympic weightlifting. They have like some of the best Olympic weightlifters in the world, world record holders. They're like a dominant international force in Olympic really? weightlifting. And there's a lot of crossover between weightlifting and powerlifting. Is the, I mean, is, is powerlifting just like a more limited set of weightlifting because it's just the three exercises which you mentioned or what's the well, difference between powerlifting and weightlifting? Olympic weightlifting is only two movements. Yeah. It's all, it's a clean and jerk and the snatch. The difference is Olympic lifting is an Olympic sport. So it's a huge platform. Millions of people see it every four years when the Olympics come around and uh, it's been an Olympic sport forever. Powerlifting is not an Olympic sport, unfortunately, although I think it has the potential to be. Anything can happen. Uh, what, yeah. skateboarding is about to they, be... They uh, have those fucking <laughs> wacky sports in, in the Olympics where it's like a guy's like skiing and then shoots some discs or some shit. They got they the <laughs> yeah. weird shit in the Olympics. Like, yeah, there should uh, be... surfing is about to be an Olympic event, I think, at the Tokyo Olympics. Oh, good. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. But I, I think powerlifting should be in there too. I don't... There's just like a lot of politics in powerlifting and a lot of different organizations and a lot of rule sets, a lot of different rules and stuff like that. So it's kind of all messed up. I think... The Fortnite could be an Olympic event at this point. Uh -oh. I mean, anything could be an Olympic event. You know, I mean, oh, the door shit. the door is completely open for anything to be an Olympic yeah, event. Yeah, so why not powerlifting too? But I, I really want to grow it in Chengdu. I just see an opportunity here. There's one powerlifting gym in the whole city. And it's a very like, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's a small gym. It doesn't have a lot of exposure. Although shout out to the guys at Diamond Strength. 
shout out to my friend Axel. He actually ran the the China Open. He actually brought that world powerlifting competition to China, not just in Chengdu. So they're doing big things too. But I just feel like in a city of like over 14 million people, there's room for this to grow and people are finding it. They're like discovering it more and more. People are getting more exposed to it. It's really cool to see. Girls are lifting too. And I, I feel like the culture is changing too. I see, I see in the gym, more people are training squats and bench and deadlift. So do you already have plans for the next powerlifting competition in Chengdu? We want to do like the Chengdu Open because for this one that we did at, at uh, Be Active, it was limited basically to only members of Be Active with a few exceptions, like some people that I invited myself, some friends of mine. But that was for the sake of, because we didn't have a lot to work with. We were doing it in a gym and we only had, we had like 35 competitors, I think. And it took like seven hours. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of resources basically, you know, but for the, it was a great learning experience. And for the next one, we want to do it up and make it open for like everybody, for anyone who wants to compete. So what does that look like? It's in a different facility. It's in a different sort of rule set. Uh, the rule set would be largely the same. We're like adopting like uh, USPA rules, which is the federation we're competing for next month. And, um, it would just, we just need a bigger venue and, and more volunteers and then we could like make it a much bigger event. What, what is the timeline for that? Do you think that'll be this summer or like in the fall? Later in the year, I'd say probably like October. Cool. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Let's get that done. Chengdu powerlifting union. Any other things to mention about health and fitness in Chengdu or powerlifting competition, anything else of that nature before we wrap this up? Get into it. Get in shape. It's never too late to start, even if you're like older or whatever, you know, get stronger. It's empowering, you know, and I want to see more girls training in, in strength sports too, because it's cool. There's a huge misconception where girls are going to like lift weights for two months and then come out of it looking like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? My <laughs> wife said that too. She's like, I don't want to train bench. I'm going to look like you. It's like, that's, that's such a common misperception. Oh man. No, but it's what it's going to do is empower you. You're going to feel good about yeah, yourself. It's absolutely empowering. I'm glad that you have been such a magnet for interest in powerlifting and in jujitsu. Uh, I'm grateful for you uh, training me and, and some of my other friends. And it's, it's really in, empowering. I think empowering is the right word to use in the uh, effect that it can have on your life. I appreciate it, man. I'm happy to be there and uh, I'm happy to do it and happy to train with you guys. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining. It's been a lot of fun. If you are interested in checking out other episodes of the podcast, you can find those on the website at chunduliving.com. You can also find them in whatever app you are using to listen to this podcast episode. The first one, which I'll recommend, is one which I already mentioned, which is the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu podcast episode, which was recorded in the summer of 2018 with Andrew and with Jerry. Thanks for listening.